Hey guys, before we get started on this podcast, please be aware that a lot has changed in terms of advice and guidelines and will continue to change regarding coronavirus that we mentioned during this show. Please go and check out your local government guidelines as to what you're supposed to do and adhere by it because they know best and they're in charge. Enjoy. Welcome to another TGS podcast and we have Ant McLernan sat with us, the legendary Ant McLernan. We're going to discuss a variety of topics, not only a bit more about yourself, maybe, but about the season in review because we shot together a bit. Which is great. Yeah. Good season, mate. It was alright. Um, but also the season ongoing and how some of the current crap in the world may affect it. Yeah. In your opinion, because obviously you have your, you look from a different side of the world viewpoint than us, who are way too PC. Exactly, mate. <laughs> so, <laughs> Corona, Corona. So, season in review, mate. How was returns this season? Did you have a good season? Did everyone have a good season? What were the effects this last season? So I think the biggest thing was the, was the rain this season. Um, for us, personally, we had one of the best seasons we've ever had. You know, we've got sandy soil, free draining. Um, it didn't really affect us. The birds held fantastically. we come out of one of the better seasons I've ever had in my keeper and career. You know, it's 13 years of birds on the ground now. You didn't even have your midway through meltdown that you've had the last No, year. I usually so have a mid-season meltdown, man. That didn't happen. That yeah. didn't happen. We were quietly confident this year. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. that means a lot. You didn't say anything. Like you didn't say it was going to be good or anything. You no. were very quietly confident. It was good. No. It's, um, you know, they, they, they went up the feed like they always do. Um, but I think for us, you know, we, we've got a lot of um, broadleaf woodland, a lot of natural food on the ground, acorns, beech mass, you know, um, all natural food that drags the birds away from the food that we put down, so we can't feed them where we want them to be. Do you keep your birds quite tight traditionally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I obviously whistle feed, hand feed every day. It's very tight into the job, and some people said it say it tames the birds a little, but, I mean, you've been under them. I don't think there's anything tame about my birds. Um, it just means I can put them where I want them when I want them. Um, but what the weather did was... Um, Rain a lot, <laughs> which rotted out all the natural food slightly quicker than what it normally would. So that made force the birds to come back onto the feed that we're putting down, um, which meant we weren't getting to that point where we were struggling mid-season. Um, and th- and they all came back in, and we had a cracking end of the season. Being beaters day, my day was unbelievable. Man. Oh, it was really good, really good. Yeah, and you know, I think it gave everybody the day they deserve for helping out. You know, um, I really enjoyed it anyway. And I think everybody else did. Oh, I enjoyed, enjoyed the end of it, should I say. When I blew the horn at the end, that was great. Yeah, and this <laughs> like last month and a bit of just going, yeah, it was a good season now, it's all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now we're looking, it gets to that weird point where you hate the season at the end of the season, you're yeah. ready for the end of it. But then, you know, a month and a bit down the road now, and I'm like, yeah, come on, let's get some more birds on. Let's, let's yeah. go do it again. Let's go do it again. So, Everyone else in a different boat, I guess it was very soil specific then from what you're saying. That's the biggest thing, yeah. The soil, it was very soil specific. So anybody who was on clay ground or you know any heavier soils that didn't, that aren't as free draining, I think they struggled massively. You know, and there's some local shoots to us that really struggle. Um, you know, and some people had really bad seasons. Some people did all right, and others did good as we did. So you got to count your count your blessings, I think. You know, um, and and we come out good. So, yeah, I think you can't can't worry about it too much. I don't think there was too many troubles. There wasn't the there was a big hype before the season pre-season about mycoplasma. Yeah, that didn't. From Did what I explain, I've... what mycoplasma is for those who are not. Uh, yeah, so so uh, mycoplasma is is um, <clears throat> acute sinusitis in birds, which affects obviously the nasal passages, the eyes, the breathing, 
um, and it, it gets infected, fills up with with um, pus, and then eventually kills the bird. Um, and there was a there was a huge hype pre-season that there is a new breed of mycoplasma out there that is not susceptible to our antibiotics. Coronavirus for birds. Coronavirus for birds, Mike. <laughs> Um, it, it's not susceptible to antibiotics. It's not as treatable. The only way to manage it is by culling. Um, and the season before, so this the season of, of 2017-18 or 2018-19? The 18-19 season saw a few shoots in our local area come down with it um, and, and they really struggled to control it. It's bad enough to wipe a shoot out, is it? can be. It can be. It, it's more... It, it, it's worse in the grand scheme of things when you look into to after season activities. So, and even even during the season. So, where do them birds go? If you're medicating those birds, you can't put them into the human food chain. So therefore, you've got you know you've got a problem there uh, with losing your birds. You've also got the problem of if you breed so from a those thirty day wear out on <clears throat> medication. Same as everything, like so, yeah, yeah, you can't put. Um, <laughs> you can't put um, birds into in or any meat into the human food chain that's obviously on antibiotics. So um, you know you've got that loss there. You've also got the problem of breeding stock. So mycoplasma can be cured in the birds in some cases, but those birds will always retain it and then pass it down through the egg to their next year's offspring. So if the shoot at the end of the season. Um, decided to catch up and breed from those hens or those cocks. It's pointless it, exercise. It's a pointless exercise because you'd be breeding mycoplasmosis into the next year's um, poults. So you are better off if you have it. Does it get in the ground as well? I, I don't. To be honest, my I don't know with mycoplasma whether it stays in the ground or not. I think it will do. You know, I know of, of lane facilities where I have been extremely lucky that I've always, um, I've always managed to to uh, treat my birds preventatively for mycoplasmosis yep. and never had to treat it as a problem um, and I know of people who've had lane fields in areas that have had mycoplasma and then the following year it always comes back round so I would imagine it would be in the ground but the, the biggest problem I would have as being a shoot that that buys in pulse would be buying pulse from somebody who's bred from birds that have been infected the previous season so it will pass through the egg and into the next year's pulse okay. and that can come out anywhere from three weeks of age through to adulthood. So there's no way of, it doesn't just crop up magically at a set time. It can come up at any point during the life. If that pult is stressed in a certain way to bring its immune system down, you know, the mycoplasma will come out in it. And then obviously the, if that got into a game farm and the birds were sent all over the country. Yeah, you've suddenly got you've suddenly a hundred thousand birds disappearing off, infecting exactly. other birds in ground and so on and so forth. But exactly. they could be caught up. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the traceability comes in and, and knowing what birds have had and, and knowing, you know, if you've got a medication plan of what you're doing with your birds and you keep that all on file, you really, that's why we really should be at the top of, at the front of the game by doing this because we're only going to hinder our own spot, you know. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, that was the, the big thing this year. It was going to be mycoplasma was going to be everywhere. And I didn't hear of, of anybody outside of the rearing season struggling with it on shoots. Which on a wet year like we've had, you would have thought. Well, it would ironically, have been I would have thought that would be a real negative. Yeah. But it's clearly, yeah, not that bad yeah. on a wet year. Mm. Or who knows, man. <clears throat> well, there was. I did see a write up this, the, you know, last month following the season um, that our, our antibiotic usage wasn't down as much as we'd like it to be this year as well, or what we planned to do. Yeah. Um, 
But I don't think that's hindered us in any way. I think that's a good thing. I think we've obviously used those antibiotics when we've needed them. Yeah. And I just want to say is a year where you have to use them hard is going to knock it back. So hopefully next year we will not have to use so many antibiotics. Definitely. Do yeah. you have any particular feelings on antibiotic use in game birds? I think that it, we are right to try and control it. Um, but I do struggle with the fact that, you know, there are certain antibiotics that are being taken away from us mm -hmm. that were fantastic antibiotics that really helped certain areas, you know. Um, you know, it, it's, it, we really struggle with, with, in certain places, with hexameter. Yep. Um, hexameter's rife. You know, it always has been. For the last, I don't know, 10 years ago, you never really heard of it. But for the last five years, everybody gets hexameter at some point during the season. Why? It's it's gotta be, it's gotta be oversoiling the ground. Yeah. It's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be, and that's through, not through, gamekeepers as such. I mean, I don't, I don't. We we went to a talk earlier on this year, a game, mm -hmm. a gamekeepers meeting. <clears throat> um, it was held by Mark Elliott, um, wonderful guy, Mark Elliott. You know, really knows his stuff. At the forefront of, of antibiotic usage, um, and at the forefront of game bird diseases, is 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 the Messiah. If you want to know anything, go to that guy. You know, he really is good at what he does. Um, and he, you know, he was teamed up with the BGA, and they were all talking to to a room full of keepers from the south, uh, and all they kept talking about was 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 stocking density. You guys need to pull your stocking densities down. You guys need to do this. You guys need to do that. You know, and I, I put my hand up in the meeting. Um, you know, me might always speak my mind. Yep. And I said to them, I said, you're talking to the wrong people. You are talking to the wrong people because they need to be putting these points across with scientific proof behind them. To the landowners, to the shoot owners, to the guys that are deciding what we yeah. do. Because at the end of the day, if you're told you can either release X amount or have no job, you're you going to release X amount. Good job sounds like a good deal. Yeah, I mean, we can do all we can habitat-wise to make it as, as beneficial as we can for the birds and make it better for the birds. But if you are being told to release X amount, you are going to release X amount. Yeah. And if I go in to uh, my boss or, or anybody's boss with a shoot and say... I've been told we're putting, you know, we need to put half as many down. Financially, it probably wouldn't be viable. Nope. Um, which doesn't matter where I am, very luckily. But on a commercial basis, it's yeah. not financially viable. Um, and the landowner is going to laugh, or the shoot owner yeah. is going to laugh you all the way out there. Paying office. 100 grand in rent, yeah. 100 grand in keepers, trucks, yeah. and yeah. then someone says, well, you can only release half as much. Nobody's suddenly going to want to pay £80 a pheasant. No. 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 I, I can't see that happening anywhere. I mean, it may do, may do over a longer course of time. But Maybe, possibly. But it's got to be a gradual overnight. process. Yeah. It's got to be a gradual process. And I think, you know, these these the people that were preaching to us in the room, <clears throat> you know, they've got the right ideas, but they're preaching it to the wrong people. You know, um, and there is always what you've got to realise in any business, if you are not prepared to do it, there is always somebody who will be prepared yeah. to do it. And there is a lot of shoots. Uh, it's not a lot of shoots. There is some shoots out there who do not hire experienced keepers or keepers with enough maturity to say this isn't right. Exactly. And I think exactly. there, there is, well, like you say, see you later, Sash. See you later, Sash. Um, there is always somebody there, like you say. There's always someone that will take that job that is yeah. not reprehensible morally, but morally reprehensible, potentially. Yeah. You're bringing, you know, you're bringing cowboys, don't you? Yeah. You're bringing cowboys. You get rid of the guys that, that, that are professionals, that, have, that study it, that, that 
that try and do it really care. Yeah, about they, the, they the really care about the welfare of the birds and really care about the welfare of the estate and the biodiversity on the estate. And then you take control away from those guys and they say, well, I'm not being part of that. And then you get the, the yeah, like you say, the lots of nice guys come in that may do things that don't sit comfortably with me or you. Yeah. You know, um, so I think that's, you know, that is the biggest thing. We've got to, we've got to be preaching to the higher level. We've got to be preaching to the higher level. Yeah. Not, not, that's a you know. good way of looking at it. Yeah, it's always good, you know, somebody, somebody called me something the other day, and I meant to say it to you, you know, it's yeah. really funny, it, is that um, a gamekeeper is a rich man's scrapyard dog. That's what I was called the other day, a, the rich man's scrapyard dog. I presume by somebody walking across your estate. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. by an auntie, funnily enough. Nice. I'm just a rich man's scrapyard dog that's sent out to keep people away and do as I'm told and, you know. And perhaps I am in a way. There's got to be know. an element of that. But I'm a very well-trained, beautiful scrapyard dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Thoroughbred. Thoroughbred, yeah, mate. Thoroughbred. But every employee is. Mm. Every employee is. I remember someone saying to me years ago, we're all prostitutes. We all just sell something slightly different. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly that. Exactly that. You know, um, and it's just yeah, it's getting it to that higher level. It's getting you know, I'm I am. It's all right kicking the scrapyard dog is what I was gonna get to. Yeah, you know, it's everybody thing to kick. You know, everybody wants to kick the scrapyard dog. Everyone, you know, you got the you got, I don't know, you have got guys on our side trying to kick us. You've got guys on the other side trying to kick us. You've got the landowners or the shoot owners trying to kick us. You know, we'll, well, it can't all be on our shoulders. It's not all our fault. Uh, not everything is our fault, and we are out there. We are the guys who put in seven days a week, twenty four seven. Doing what we do to try and make the job right, or as right as we can make it with what we've got. But at the end of the day, mate, you've only got those two. Yeah. You know. And you you are sandwiched, unfortunately, in the middle between, depending on whether you're commercial or not, I suppose, between the guys shooting and the guys who own the land. Yeah. And you have to please everybody. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's what you do for a living. And you could go and work for no money somewhere else because you've got great moral standards. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you want a house and a job. You've got, got a wife and two kids, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah and right. I think you you have to be sensible. Yeah. Not that again that you break any laws or anything, but there is a, a line with which you can't stand up and start waving your arms. Yeah, because I'm going to jump in your grave. Anyway, uh, moving thoroughly on, what do you think of the whole steel thing? We'll talk about this very quickly before I get my grave. I think steel is is a good move. I think it's a very good move, but I think that our guys, the NGO, the ASC. You know, all the guys that were involved with those key decisions mm -hmm. bent us over too quickly. Mm. Because, as we've now found out, that the cartridge companies are not ready for it. You know, it, they haven't developed the loads. They haven't developed, they haven't looked into something that will, you know, um, look after animal welfare when it, in, in the fact of when we're killing it. You know, you can't just go, right, well, we're not going to use lead anymore, so we'll use these steel. Because they go bang and they send something out the end of it. Well, yeah, that's fine. But does it kill the bird ethically? Does it do it right? Does it does mm -hmm. it perform as well? Um, these are all things that needed to be looked into. I, I think they did it right. I think they did they did the right decision, but with the wrong time frame. And if they'd have given us ten years instead of five years, we could have had five years developing a load and looking into it, yeah. and five years producing it, and getting everybody switched over onto it. And then at the end of that ten years, we'd have all been ready for it. We'd have all been prepared for it. We'd have been able to do the job right. Yeah, I think so. When they did. Uh, my, my whole thing with it, I still don't really understand, is they're looking at this gradual phase-out, but they didn't put any plan in place. That they, we're just going to gradually phase it out. I remember talking to Dan. I mean, no offence, he's a really lovely guy, but 
the whole of batsmen, they go, we're putting, we're going to gradually phase it out. You go, well, what's that mean? Is that stepped? What, what yeah. do you mean? Is that it's like, oh, so in six months we're going to fund this development, and it's another six months we're going to do this, and so yeah. but it's not. You go, no, no, we're just we're just phasing it out. <laughs> just we're just doing it. I'm just going to tell you that in five years you can't shoot lead anymore. But okay, well, what are you going to give me? On the flip side of that, I'd also like to think if the government banned it tomorrow, the cartridge manufacturers wouldn't just close shop. No, they they, no, they, they, they can figure it out. But they would provide us with something that wouldn't be fit for purpose. So this is my mm-hmm. my argument of it is. I don't care what I shoot, mate. You can give me anything as long as it performs. I was going to say as long as it's black gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I use, you know, I lose my black gold. But if you give me, you can tell, you can put anything in my cartridges as long as it performs and, and kills, the, kills, the kills what I'm trying to shoot in a, you know, in a clean way and puts it out of its misery as it should do. I don't care what's in it. You can, you can tell me whatever you want in it. You know, it could be made out of, of plant material. I couldn't care less. It's stones, like, yeah, salt. Stones and plant material, plastic casing. That's fine, as long as it works. Yeah. And I will get behind anything that is better for the environment, as long as it works. Oh. It's got to work, you know. Um, but the trouble is, they've done this, and there is no Well, there's, real... there, there's only one option on the market, and that's it. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of the problem. Yeah. I think... If they had gone and expanded the CIP laws first and done that and gone, look, it's, there's no shit sandwiches, it's just shit. I think that's, yeah. that's part of the yeah. problem. But I think that's the right attitude is, I just want something that works, don't care if it's steel or this or that. The fi- do you worry about the financial side of cartridges or do you not really worried if cartridges go up 25%? I'm not really worried as long as it doesn't go astronomical. I mean, you know, we, we all love what we do and we all do it for a bloody good reason. And we all spend probably too much money on it each year that we don't tell the wives about. Um... So, you know, if the cartridge price is going to creep up a little bit, well, so be it. If it's better for the environment and it works. But it's got to work. It's got to work. I don't Uh, care about it. You know, I say I don't care about the cost. Of course I care about the cost. But it's got to work. Yeah. If it went up 25%, ain't going to stop you doing it. Why do I not buy clay cartridges to go shooting with? Why do I buy black gold? Because it's a lot more expensive. Yeah. But they work a lot better. So I would be more than happy to pay a little bit more for some of the work. Yeah. And to be fair, some of the stuff that I'm sort of, I've talked to various home loaders and people who use cartridges that are not particularly within the CIP laws that they special import into the UK. Mm-hmm. Some of these loads with some of these aftermarket jokes, they are with steel killing the ducks and geese cleanly at 70 yards. And they say that it's stuff that lead just can't do. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Just like I said, it'd be nice to get some of that yeah. without all of the backdoor yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> definitely. Uh, visions for next season? <clears throat> uh, I think next season, hopefully, it's going to be better weather-wise. I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's going to be better next season. I think I've had a, in, on good information. See, I with the wet weather we've had, there's been a, in this country, there's been a massive problem getting corn in, a lot of problem getting wheat in. Um, so I had visions for the feed prices going through the roof this year. Yeah. Uh, subsequently rang around my suppliers and rang around a couple of other suppliers as I always do each year um, and I have good information that actually the wheat price is either going to stay the same or drop um, this year and do you think that's going to be the same with coronavirus potentially stopping any imports of such things so that's the only thing that's going to that's going to make a struggle so the, the I asked the problem is, I asked the question as to why is the wheat price going to stay the same or drop if this country's had it so bad not be able to do it Apparently, we only do like 1%, 2% of the world's wheat production. Yeah. So 
the yeah. market is done over a yeah. worldwide market, so therefore America had one of the better years it, it ever done. Um, Russia, was it Russia? It might be Russia. One of the other countries, massive importers, definitely America and one of the other countries had had the best year they've ever had, so our price is going to come down. We have to pull in line with that yeah. or else people will just import. I yeah. guess. So, so that was a big thumbs up from me. Brilliant. Happy days. Um, but then obviously now we've got coronavirus. We've got everything shutting down um, as far as import export is going to go. Does that worry you at all? Uh, it does, yeah, because I think it's going to drive the price of it. It's all going to drive the price of everything. Yeah. You know, Apart um, from diesel at the moment. Yeah, diesel is going down because nobody's using it. Which is good. It's good. Um, Russia and America have a big scrap about diesel prices or oil prices. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're using uh, Corona to hide it. No, not really. <laughs> Put the conspiracies away. Yeah, I don't know. Mate. I mean, the big conspiracy about the book that was written with coronavirus going to be in it. Have you read it? I, I've seen it. I've seen it posted. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very spooky. Very spooky. Um, I think. Start writing stuff now, mate, and one of these things will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In 2030. In 2030. You're going to have long A hair. tree will fall down. I promise <laughs> you in 2030 that a tree will fall down and I will be classed as a. Messiah and people will pray to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that's it's bound to affect everybody's business. You know, I mean, we can carry on with the day-to-day stuff on the ground. You know, the predator control, habitat management, feed. We can do all that. That's not a problem. You think it'll be a problem with import of eggs? I think it's going to be a massive problem with with the poult side of things, with the rearing yeah. side of things. Eggs are going to be a big thing coming in from France. You know, it's coming in from Europe. Yeah, Europe be attempted to take on rearing for yourself this season because of it. No. <laughs> not at all done that a lot yeah, I've done a lot of rearing I've yeah. finally got away from rearing for the yeah. last couple of seasons do your I'm guys thinking. import from France or do they have closed floor yes so my guys come in my, my guys bring them in from France as eggs incubate themselves and hopefully they don't have a problem yeah. fingers crossed hopefully I mean I'm, you would have you would hope that if it's going on a lorry it can be um, you know done with disinfected with verucidal at one side brought over disinfected again if need be at this side you know, then then brought in. You know, we've got, we've got, we've got biosecurity is not anything new in game rearing either. No, so biosecurity for us. I mean, we, we just had a massive thing on the estate about biosecurity. You know, um, just for the fear of it being brought into our estate. We've got a lot of people work on the estate. <clears throat> we don't want any of them getting involved. There's even children. There's there's elderly people, um, and you know, my my answer to the to the owner of the estate was, well, let's just treat it like a rearing field. You know, if ever we had a breakout on the rearing field of of hexameter in a batch of pheasants that may be three or four sheds and we had 40, 50 sheds on the field, you quarantine that area, don't you? You know, you shut it down, nobody goes in or out of that area without changing boots, yeah, without disinfecting, hand wipes, you know, and you control it and you stop that from happening. But the problem that we're having is that, you know, on the estate we probably have 20 to 30 Amazon DPD deliveries a day. And how many people do those people go and see? You know, so so what we're doing is we're we're just implementing an area on the gate of the estate that gets brought in. Everything's collected at that point. You know, it can be wiped down. It can be keep your dusty. dirty DPD away from us. Exactly yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 you just have to treat it like that. I mean, look at hey, avian bird flu. We've had it for the last however many years on, on wild animals that we cannot control, but we stopped it. And we it's not you know not everything's contracted it. Fair dues, we did go and kill a few things. And it would be frowned upon in the <laughs> in the human population to go out and kill a few infected people. But maybe that's the way we need to go. You know, um, a lot of people out there are saying that, you know, oh, well, we need to get it just to get immune to it. But it's it's not that. It's the rate that we're going to get it. You know, so you're looking at 
If you've got a rear-end field, you can pretty much guarantee you get something in shed one, it's going to travel down the line over a period of time to shed 30. But if all 30 sheds come down with it at the same time, you need a serious stock of antibiotics You're to treat bombed. it. Yeah. If it goes over a week to two week period and you can trickle in some antibiotics and sort the problem yeah, out. Once shed one's healing by the time shed three's got it. Exactly. You can deal with it a lot better, hmm. which is going to be the problem with people, isn't it? It's going to be the fact that, you know, if people are just saying, oh, it's fine, we can deal with it, we'll get on with we'll it, we'll go and mix it. There'll be a three month period of shutdown across the UK that will... Yeah cripple us financially potentially yeah and there's the, the hospitals are going to be overrun yeah. because people aren't going to be they're not going to be able to cope with the amount of people that's getting it the idea is if we do self-isolate a little bit and try and keep as clean as we can then it will stagger it and there will be time for people to go in hospital get treatment come out somebody else will go in hospital get treatment go out yeah and not just flood the place and shut it all down you know because there's only so many nurses in this country and if they get it they're going to come down with it. And there's so many doctors and so many beds and so many oxygen masks, you know. I really like your parallel between a rearing field and England. I mean, that's a real solid way of putting it. I think so. Yeah, what, what is a rearing field? A rearing and field. And president. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a rearing field is somewhere that we, we slightly overpopulate to make our lives an easier thing to go to. What is the world? It's overpopulated yeah. with people. It's only the same thing, mate. We yeah. shouldn't be in the numbers we're in, but we are. And that's why this this sort of thing is breaking out and, and going around. Yeah, um, you know, again, heard all sorts of magical conspiracies about it. We're not getting to them there. Not even conspiracies, origins of it. That you know, potentially man-made because it's moving. So you know, I'm, I'm a great believer in you know. I've, I've done a bit of research into it as I would do. Is is some of the takes well, of interest to me? Is, and it's quite yeah. a big deal. Yeah, and it's some of the, the interest me. You know, it came from bats. There is something that is ninety percent similar to the, what we we are getting in bats, but then it transferred to pangolins. The Chinese then eat pangolins and keep them as pets yeah, and sleep with them and stroke them. Most and, trafficked animal in the world. Yeah, yeah, and do whatever they want to do. And it then bridged from pangolins across to humans and hey-ho, there we are, we've got it. Um, so so that's that's the row it went to. But, you know, you've got to look at certain countries and the way they hold themselves. You it's know, not everybody's to us, man. Yeah, not everybody's as PC as what we are. And, you know, not everybody thinks the same way about animals as what we do. Yeah. And... And I don't think either is potentially wrong or right. It's just no. the way the world is. It's just the way the world is. And and I think you run certain risks when you live certain way. Very that's true. all that's happened. Yeah. You know, uh, we could probably do with a bit of a thin out. <laughs> we could probably do with a bit of a thin out. But, um, no, it's been a long time coming. The last pandemic in this country was nearly 100 years ago. Well, yeah. 100 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean it like I don't want it. I'm not like this doomsday who goes, yes, it's going to be great. But at the same time, we have had a very easy time in terms yeah. of really vile diseases that really kill us. Yeah. And it does, yeah. I think it's made us feel quite superhuman over the last mm. period of time. I'll tell you what it's really going to show now, mate, is the difference in people's immune systems. So I don't know about you, but I grew up in the country rolling around in mud and blood and tears and eating sandwiches with bloody pigeon blood all over me and carrying on eating it and... You know, I've been in. You rearing... do strange things in Yorkshire, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been in rearing sheds and I've spent a week with the shits, and you know, yeah. I've sucked a bit of antibiotic through the pipes and stuff. You know, and I, I like to think I've got a pretty strong immune system. But all these people who live their lives now completely sterile, that are washing their hands every five minutes, and you know, they don't let the kids go out anywhere, and kids aren't allowed to get mucky. You know, it'd be interesting to see how it affects those people against how we do it. You know, and see if that life is a better way of life. Because if it is, hey, I'll clean my act up. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> If it's not, then I do better for it. So when you're really <clears> suffering, 
You're going to be on your deathbed going, I wish I washed my hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping not to die, mate. <laughs> I'm hoping I hope to you get, don't as well, yeah. mate. Yeah. I'm hoping to get up. better from it. <laughs> you know, I'm hoping to get better and go, oh, I really ought to wash my hands a bit more often. <laughs> but, uh, it'd be interesting, mate. It's going to be an interesting time. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and I think you're going to be cleaned up or it should all be cleared up by next shooting season and we should be able to go and shoot normally. We hope Definitely. so. We do hope so. Hopefully, we do hope so. Like I said to you before, I do hope someone on the line world travel becomes like this unbelievably unpopular thing for a short period of time, and we can figure out some really amazing deals to go to some exotic land and shoot something amazing. That'd be pretty cool. No, it's, I feel like it's got to be fringe benefits. It's got to be some mild positive. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna have to sort something out. Aren't they? The, the trouble is with it, like I say, this this whole problem is while ever you can travel around the world in just a few hours. You're never going to control anything. No. You know, you're looking at the guys who want to shut schools now and do this and do that. It's too yeah. late. It's too late. You're shutting the door on after the horse has bolted. What is the point? You know, you, we should have stopped as soon as they found it in China. You know, it's been or, this, or this, this realized how bad it, it was. Well, this thing started in China in January, didn't it? The first guy died yeah. in January. You know, what well, we now in March. Why is why is it only now we are thinking about oh we better do something because we've got a couple of guys you know we've got a lot of people here that are starting to get ill. Well, I think a lot of other countries are way ahead of us. We are way behind in terms of what we want to. What we'll say you know what I think the biggest problem is, mate. We are too PC in this country. We are too frightened to say right. Nobody's coming to our country. Well, yeah, but there's British citizens in China that that uh, that can't get back home. Well, they should sit it out because if you know, God forbid that that if there was. I don't know, say there was a thousand people in China, a thousand British citizens in China at that moment in time when, when, when it broke out, if they'd have said, right, we'll shut that down, how many of those thousand people may actually die from, oh, from quite, coronavirus? Presumably minimal, man. Very minimal, a handful. But if you allow those thousand people to come back and infect it into our country, and then our country gets, goes right the way through our country, how many people are going to die there? No, let's forget all that. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. No, you're not coming when in. When there's a pandemic. When there's a pandemic, borders, nobody's coming in or out. It you're doesn't matter in. whether it's me. If I'd have gone out shooting and this had happened, and I was in the country, I mean, would it be really sensible if somebody had said, Aunt, you have nice. to stay in Africa you a little bit longer and shoot some more? more tags. <laughs> <laughs> you're really looking at it as a positive side. Like, yeah. Going on a business trip to China and end up trapped there for six months would be pretty awful. I would definitely go and shoot some Siberian now. <laughs> coming across the river. <laughs> just to take the train right up north. Yeah, yeah, just sit on the edge of the river and wait for them to swim across. Yeah. I mean, no, that way you get your get a motorbike and just motorbike all the way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's in my idea, mate. That would have been the quarantine we would have needed that you would have done on a rear field. It's too late now. We are peeing in the wind. Yeah. You know when you stood on peg and there's a lady picker up behind you and you really need a wee, and you you're the only way you can wee without showing her your winky is that way. But you're weeing in the wind. It's gonna go on your brakes, mate. It's gonna go on your brakes. So you're gonna get embarrassed. That's what we're doing now, mate. We're weeing into the wind. We're just gonna get wet brakes. <laughs> That's um, a good way to look at it, maybe. I don't know. Again, I think there's... I think you're probably saying if you do any research on it, you do any reading on it, there's so much misinformation. So yeah, yeah. Different bits of guidance between you should stay at home, you shouldn't do this. I got off the phone with a couple of people today, both of which have heard various things from people who are well in the know, and both of them have given different advice accordingly. Yeah. I think it depends how scared you are, what it means to you maybe to get affected how much you believe it's hype or whether you believe that you're actually going to die. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I hope we live until next season. Yeah. And beyond. Yeah, that'd be quite nice. I think and it's more, you know, as does everybody that we know and love, that would be great too. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it does work the same as game bird diseases, the thing I would worry about is more in my age bracket and my sort of level of fitness that I hope I am, 
it will be secondary infection I'm going to worry about. So mm. well, I think immune... that is the big killer. Yeah, yeah. Part so of it's it, once it? the immune system's down, it's it's the pneumonia that creeps in afterwards mm. or whatever. It's the secondary infection that is going to do people, you know. And it's not. It may not be just coronavirus that's a problem. It's going to be everything that comes after it. Well, that's positive. Mm. Um... <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. On brighter notes. Let's change subject for a second to sum up because <laughs> we're going, we should have closed the borders and the rest of the world should have done one and we would have been right because we could have eaten venison. Yeah. 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 And we'd become millionaires in the meat black market. That'd be cool. Oh. That would be cool. Imagine imagine that. People actually valued what we did. That'd be, yeah, cool. that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd People queuing really at your nice. door for game meat out of your freezer. <laughs> That could be the next thing. This is it. The it was gamekeepers that created coronavirus I'm in order to I'm raise the meat that, that hasn't been the accusation <laughs> yet. And Mr. Packham will be stood up online next week saying, yeah. the gamekeepers have done that. I've got it scientifically proven that gamekeepers created coronavirus. These eggs that come from France were infected <laughs> with coronavirus. I can imagine it, yeah. It'll be coming. You wait for yeah, it. Isn't it? And see into the future. It's we fun. should write a book on it. Yeah. It'll come out next yeah. month. Yeah. <laughs> How, how how the persecution of Hen Harry has led to coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's um, enough facetious lunacy. Um, to sum up, we actually haven't really got anything planned in the not too distant future, which is quite miserable. No, it's quite depressing, mate. We were meant to go to Ewa. Yeah, now Ewa got cancelled. It's been pushed back to no, September. Postponed. But I, I, I feel like the next few months, I know a few, quite a few Italian factories have closed their doors, told their people to go home for a few months. Yeah. What will happen in the gun trade, let alone the rest of the industry? Obviously, the gun trade is more pertinent to my life than anything else. Yeah. I do worry whether it will go ahead at all, or whether some companies will even be around by then. The thing that worries me is the knock-on effect from it all. So everybody's postponing everything. Doesn't matter whether you're into horses, whether you're into motorbikes, whether you're into racing, whether you're into guns. Everybody's postponing all mass gatherings, right? And they're postponing it, and they try and do them every year, try and do them annually. So if coronavirus does pass and does clear up and we do get past it, there is then going to be everybody's going to try and squeeze everything in at the end of the year. But there's only so much money and so much crossover between it yeah. that where people and there go, will be a lot less money then than there was a few months ago. Exactly. And, and they're not going to be as much as a success as they would have been. So... Is it going to be worth doing it? Is it going to be viable to do it? Yes, I you think know. sickness aside, the financial repercussions, whether that be through trade shows or EWA yeah. or country shows or big mass gathering yeah. events, is going to be pretty miserable. Yeah. But hey, let's look on to the positives. Pheasants come in like three months' time. Yeah. Where's the killer eggs? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, yeah, pheasants are coming soon. You know, we'll, we'll be all right, I would have thought, as long as we can get the food in the country, as long as we can get the soybeans across, as long as we can get... You know, the wheat here will be all right. We'll, we'll get some pheasants on and we'll do some stuff. Man, there's an amazing thing about importing so much stuff into this country. This is the trouble with this country not being able to provide its own stuff. Well, I think it's not in this country. Every, every country has become very globalised, haven't yeah, they? Yeah. Because why not rely on another country to yeah, produce something for cheaper than you can? Unfortunately, there, the camera ran out of battery and we didn't realise. So, there you go. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you very much for Ant for coming in. Epic. Great, mate. I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of his insight into current affairs. Current affairs with Ant McLernan. And if you like this, we'll do it again at some point. Take care, guys.